Welcome to In Session with Jared and Clay, a podcast about connecting better with the self, each other, and the world around us. I'm Dr. Jared Cox, here with my distinguished partner, Dr. Clay Barty, and today we're talking about blame. Okay, so it's 1989, and I've just bought my first CD player, and the first CD I buy... Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain, that was the song of the day. Well, if you don't remember, Blame It on the Rain was a song about pride and and how it can ruin a relationship, and and of course, you can't accept responsibility for ruining a relationship, so you got to blame it on something. Blame it on the rain, as the song goes. But the story of Millie Vanilli is that they didn't actually sing the song, or any of the songs on the album. Instead... The producers hired two dancers to come in and lip-sync the lyrics. But one night, one night at a concert in Bristol, Connecticut in front of 80,000 fans, the music got stuck on repeat, and the whole world knew Millie Vanilli was a sham. Grammy Awards were stripped, fans were irate, huge scandal, and it was all done because image matters. Well, apparently the real voices behind the songs didn't have a marketable image. So the dancers were brought in to pretend. And in our own lives, how many times does image matter so much that we pretend to be something that we aren't? Or, to phrase it a little differently, how many times do we look in the mirror of self-reflection and we don't like what we see? You know, this episode is really inspired by all the blame I've been seeing on social media following the Capitol riot, but it seems like everywhere I look, someone is getting blamed for something. Whether it's the Capitol riots, the election results, the origination of COVID-19, how leadership has handled COVID-19 as a worldwide crisis, there's so much blame going on. And I'm not taking sides on these issues. I'm simply saying that we've reached a point where blame is so powerful in our culture that now there's pressure to cancel people. And I'm sitting here wondering, what good is the blame doing? Is it helpful? Is it healthy? Should we keep doing it? Should we do more of it? Lots of questions. But Clay, if you can just get us started, give me three words that you would use to describe the use of blame as you see it in our society right now. Yeah, well, okay, this is a lot to unpack. So I would begin with when I hear the word blame, let me tell you what just pops up into my my head, and maybe this that'll be a starting point. But immediately I hear the word avoidance. Yeah. Well, blame is a, you know, is an avoidance mechanism. I connect it many times with fear. It's another word that comes to my mind. And as you were talking, uh, thinking about a word that was not all that popular, you know, a year and a half ago, but now it seems to be an everyday word that we use is pandemic. I would say that blame, you know, historically has always been around, but I'm not so sure that it's at epic proportions today uh, in our in our culture. So, of course, with anything, we we would have to, you know, begin with some foundational meaning of blame what blame is as as we you know carry the conversation out because how do you define blame well i 
I define blame, particularly in a therapeutic setting, I always see blame as an avoidance of responsibility. Now, if you ask other people or, you know, to define blame, they usually they usually give you a sentence with the word in it. You know, like, well, it's, you know, you know, when you blame is when you blame someone for something. So we, we rarely get an assigned meaning to words like this. But yeah, that is, won't pass. It is a description. I mean, a blame is a descriptor. And what it is describing is the avoidance of taking responsibility. And you can uh, oversimplify, but you can blame others. You could blame a situation or a context, if you will, and you can blame yourself. But in all of those cases, in any cases where the actual process of blame is occurring, it is an avoidance of responsibility. That's how I define blame. So with respect to the Capitol riot, there has been a lot of focus in the media about who is to blame for that happening. Obviously, lots of people are blaming the president for inciting it and, and all the people who are rushing the building. Here's an interesting thing about the process of what we're looking at. It's a little more complex than just using a word because if you engage in the process of blaming, you will have a perspective or threads of truth. You will have an observation that is at one level of abstraction, it is it is true. People yeah. did storm the Capitol, you know, that that happened, if we can use that phraseology. Sure. And so because that happened or when that happened, then people's response to the fact that something happened is going to be laid out or given or, or offered, if you will. And the tricky thing about this is that, is that if you're using blame, the blame process, if it's an avoidance of taking responsibility, you see, is usually pointing in a direction that eliminates the participant where it's pointed in a direction. If I'm blaming in any way or form that is set up to where I'm eliminated. There's a reason it's kind of slippery to talk about because again, the fact that these things happen or evident that when we start going into the reasons that they happen. Then we start treading on unknown ground. Or, to use a phrase we've used quite often, they're based on presuppositions, which may or may not be right. And if I'm going to report on something that has happened, I have a responsibility to address my presupposition, and I have a responsibility to announce my presupposition. Uh, to the public before I give some definite reason as for this happening or that happening. When you hear people blaming, the very best you know, they could be doing, they, they may or they may not be right about what they're talking about. So when we're talking, 
if the people who actually stormed the Capitol, uh-huh. for them to blame someone else or anything else is a clear avoidance of responsibility. Yeah, it's, it's a direct avoidance of responsibility for their action. Period. But the people who are blaming them from the outside, it's yeah. a little more complicated. Yes, the observers. But my question is, there's so much of it Right. It it just it's hard for me to say we we spend all this energy doing that. I don't know what good we're doing, nor do I know if we're even justified in doing that or Yeah. I don't see that the process of real blame has ever served a a very good purpose from an observer standpoint or from a participant standpoint. Yeah, but people feel like they have a right to do that or something or they feel like whenever they say this because it's all over the place. And yeah, that's pan- what people pandemic, want yeah. want to say. I watched a video clip the other day. Brene Brown has a little clip about blame in which she says that blame is a discharge of pain and discomfort. Yeah, okay. A discharge directed towards someone else. Yeah. And, maybe, and I would even include, to, you know, toward the self. I said that earlier. You know, blaming yourself... Can, is an avoidance of responsibility as well, particularly if behavior does not change. How so? If behavior does not change, and I just continue to say, it's my fault, this is my fault, this is my fault, or I'm to blame, then you have an avoidance of responsibility. If something occurs and you know, I need to make amends for it, and I say I'm, I'm to blame for this. I correct the behavior or the procedure, move along, and it doesn't happen again. And, and you know, I'm not talking about mistakes, honest mistakes. I'm talking about behavior. Right. That would be blame used incorrectly. That's taking responsibility. If I acknowledge or take ownership of my role in whatever happened and then I take corrective measures— it's really inappropriate to use the, you know, I'm to blame. But it's so common of a word and an idea used correctly and used incorrectly that we're just inundated with the idea. There's too much of it, and it's not differentiated. We don't distinguish. Maybe that's part of the reason it's, you know, it's used so much. Everybody's blaming everybody else in their invented explanation about what's going on. Right. I want to uncover that a little bit today. I really want to just talk about it from several different angles. But before we go any further, you also mentioned the word pandemic as if blame itself is a pandemic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And, uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because I've heard that word way too much for a year and a half. Blame but, uh, is an illness, but it's uh, a virus. Well, it sure, yeah, it sure could be. It could be like a virus. Obviously, it's not a virus, but it spreads. It does spread. Does blame represent symptoms of mental illness? I think you could say that. Yes, but. The degree to which we are all mentally ill and mentally healthy is a relationship. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing you say is when we blame, that is inappropriate. 
yes. behavior. Yes, yeah. We should recognize that within ourselves as yes. some type of dysfunction. Yeah, even if we're even if we think it's right. Yeah, the right? correctness doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it's a process and we come by it honestly. We grow up in families and we grow up in a country that uses that idea very often. But the process itself is not helpful ever in any form. So we've got all these people out there. I'm not even talking about whether or not these people should have stormed the Capitol or not. I'm not talking about whether the president is guilty or not. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the people who are blaming. Right. We're saying that behavior, regardless of whether what happened or not is Yes. Valid. We're saying that behavior is in itself dysfunctional. Is that the yes. word you can use? Dysfunctional yeah. behavior. I, I would say it's dysfunctional behavior and it's not healthy at all because you're engaged in a process driven by a presupposition that has no beneficial end. If you want to have a discussion, the observers, those who would be talking about what happened, should be engaged in a dialogue that moves people in the direction of what is going on, what is occurring in our lives and in our relationships where something like this could happen? What is occurring? Yes. Not whose fault is it? What is happening? What's going on? Exactly. Now, you engage in a dialogue like that, then you, even in a way, as the observer, take just a little share of that response. What are we doing? What is going on? And so in, in that way, we're sharing the responsibility. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but what I hear you saying is that when we blame people, regardless of what happened, when we blame people, we separate ourselves from, from the context. From the context. And that's and, impossible. And that's impossible that's because right. that's not yeah. the world we live in where everything is connected. We're all connected yes. to each other to the world around us and that's where we to separate ourselves yeah but that's the thing we don't want to be included in that conversation we don't want to be included in being no one wants to say yeah it's i, I participated in this idea that correct the, yeah. uh, the capital riot i'm that's not right. a part of that so you it's much easier to blame much easier to blame other people other places other circumstances other ideas and and it's just not a, it's not a realistic process, and it's not a healthy process. But people don't think that way. They don't think. We like, compartmentalize. Like I'm, I'm talking, we isolate. Yeah. They don't see themselves connected or having a role in the context at large. They see themselves separated. These observers yeah. are going to sit back and comment yeah. after the fact, actually, which makes it much more dangerous. Side note, you know, can is there anybody that can't comment on the game after it's played? Is that very difficult, right? To say what should have been done, right? After after the whole thing is played out, it takes no real expertise. Now, obviously, analysts and ex players have insight that might be additional, you know, to that of just an average observer. But, you know, think, think down that lane, you know, when an analyst, a sports analyst, you know, reviews the game that has been played, how often are they 
casting blame. They, they, you know, they try to stay away from that because inherently they kind of know that's not the direction to go. But I only say that to say how influential this, how deeply embedded it is in our culture. If it's that deeply embedded within our culture and it represents the discharge of pain and discomfort, that tells us that our culture is in a lot of pain and discomfort. Yes, it is. And it's a pain and discomfort that we don't want to be a part of. Yeah, we, we try to avoid pain and discomfort. At or even cost. admit that we have. Yeah. If we're trying oh. to separate ourselves from the situation, we're, is that to say, hey, we, we don't even really want to admit that we have this pain? Yeah, in a way, at least subconsciously. Yeah. Again, these things are taking place, and no one's consciously thinking this in their head before they do it. Right. They're just... They're just doing what they've always done, but it, it comes out, you know, as blame. So how do you separate that from just what you think are the facts, you know? Well, hey, that's a legit question, but I, the facts are pretty easy to report. You can look at what happened, the facts, and, of course, in my opinion, which is not all that valuable, but someone who reports the facts— and the facts only gives a much richer version. But not only will the facts be reported, but then they're going to speculate on motives. That's what all the sound bites are. Yeah. You know, everything is pushing that blame process. I think ultimately it is to polarize the people because the mainstream media makes more money if they can polarize right. than if they can unite and and they're you know they're they can say what they want to but they're in it to make as much money as they can possibly make you answered my opening question saying that fear describes how you see blame in our society right now can you elaborate on that fear drives you know an inappropriate self-regulation of fear an action, as we've mentioned before, that drove, you know, that got us to the point of people storming the Capitol. For our listeners, can you explain really quickly what self-regulation is? Healthy self-regulation is a means by which I can accept what I am feeling, process it, feel it, and share it in a way that it's not an avoidance. All the people who observed this event... Mm-hmm. They were bothered by it. Sure. And are you saying that them not knowing how to self-regulate, how to process the feelings that were coming into them led to dysfunctional behavior of blame? Yeah, it, it certainly had a, a big part of that, a big role of that. But it's so embedded and natural, if you will, quotation mark. Yeah. That nobody thinks about it. Natural, not meaning biological or created. Natural meaning conditioned, conditioned. culturally conditioned to where we think it's normal. So if blaming is dysfunctional, what do you as a therapist suggest we say when, when we want to talk about events like this? You know, how are we contributing or participating in the events that took place at the Capitol? So let's bring it home to us, you know. How would we dialogue about that? And 
any other two people that might do the same thing would probably start with something like, well, we didn't have anything to do with that. We yes. weren't there and we, we're, we oppose it. We're against it, you know? And so e- even though it's true that we were not there and we do oppose that and we don't like that at all, what value is that? Right. Nothing. Nothing. Anything. So, Nothing. So it's a, it's a, a type of a, at least veiled blame by us kind of releasing all responsibility. So a healthy dialogue, you know, would be, well, as, as we said earlier, what, what are, is happening? What is happening? What responsibility can I assume? What are we, what are we doing to, yeah. What yeah. are we doing about it? How are we participating in either the creation or the maintenance of, of these issues? And it, and it may come down to being something as simple as well. We'd, we tend to stay away from such discussions. We don't confront people. We don't avoid discussions. We avoid discussions, you see, which, again, is a discharge because those discussions are uncomfortable. Right. So we are also participating in blame, at least by Brene's definition, in ways that we never think about. Yeah. It's just not at the conscious level. By avoiding it, you're participating in it. That's right. At least in the overarching problem, right? Yes, in the sense that you cannot be removed from the context. Yeah. You are participating. The question is how? How am I participating? Through action? Am I actively participating in that? Or am I participating in the maintenance of that by avoidance? Through inaction. Yeah. Okay, there you have it. To blame is to avoid responsibility. You know, it's a huge challenge to see our lives as connected to other people and and events like this, isn't it? You may not buy into that, and, and I get it. It's hard for me too. But the question that comes to mind now is, would my life be better if I lived with a greater sense of shared responsibility? Would yours? Would our lives be better if we stopped distancing ourselves from problems in our society or problems in our relationships and instead started asking ourselves questions like, how am I participating? How is my silence participating? Those sound like much more productive questions to me than who's to blame. To blame it all is just just as useful as blaming it on the rain, right? And you'll get the same inauthentic result. Thanks for joining our session today. It's so good to have you with us. If you like what you heard, share us with your friends and and send me your input to Facebook or or Twitter, Instagram, or, or LinkedIn. On the next episode of In Session with Jared and Clay, we'll be back to follow up with Blame's impact on our families and the influence of social media. And when the new episode drops, you'll find it first on InSessionPodcast.com. Podcast.com.